Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand in the house of God. Come on, come on, let's give Him a little more. Come on, let's give Him a little more. Praise God. Hey, do you love your pastors, by the way? Yeah, don't sit, don't sit just yet. Don't just sit. No, you're cheating. Stop cheating on me. Um, you know, leadership is a funny thing. It's a blessed thing. It's a great thing. It's a, it's a challenging thing sometimes. And so, especially, I think, out of 2021 and now in 2022, I mean, just appreciate faith and boldness and consistency and just valuing the house of God. So can you love on your pastors for a moment and the whole pastoral team and anyone who serves in church and the worship team. Hey, we appreciate you guys. To the intercessors who pray for this place, anyone who serves, anyone who gives, uh, the, the kids' church and all that kind of stuff, man, we appreciate you from one pastor to another. Man, we appreciate our team, don't we, Pastor Eddie? We appreciate you guys. Um, let me just say this real quick. I, I wrote a book um, about four years ago. God spoke to my heart, and He said, help men win in life. I wasn't doing anything spiritual. I was literally raking leaves. <laughs> That's not that spiritual. I don't even think it's the will of God to rake leaves. I think someone else should do it for you, you know? Anyway, I was raking some leaves in my backyard. I felt the Spirit of God speak to my heart and say, help them win life. And it's been literally a game changer in our church. Pastor Fernando is with me. He's been serving and leading uh, with me as we've been doing this over the last four years. It literally changed our church. It changed the men's ministry of our church. It changed the numbers of our church. It changed everything in our church. Here's why. Because men, when men get vision and when men get accountable, when men get brotherhood, it actually changes the game. Because when you change the man, you actually change the family. When you change the family, you change the church. When you change the church, you actually change the world. And it has been a game changer. And so I wrote this book and it's, I kept it short for men who don't like to read. Okay, most chapters, three or four pages, something like that. I also put some um, videos attached to it, 14 videos. They're about six, seven minutes long. Had a creative guy come along and do an amazing job on that. And so I believe it's going to bless your world. And then I had a couple of ladies uh, DM me on social media like, hey, stop saying it's for men because I read your book and, and it's for women too. So if you're a lady in here, you haven't missed out. Um, who, who wants this book? What about you with the, the hat, sir? Yeah, come on, sir. Yeah, give him a hand. You need that. We all need it. We're going to read a passage of Scripture to you. And I'm from, well, I lead a church in New Jersey. My, my family uh, lives in Jersey. Pastor Fernando is here. My son Benjamin is here, 13 years old. Can you give them a hand? Appreciate you guys. and great honor of my life to be his father and... And then my girlfriend's probably watching maybe too. I don't know, babe. You might be watching. She'd have preached three times today. So actually, I doubt she's watching at all. I think she's napping. And, uh, but she's a rock star. And uh, man, I feel at home. I feel God wants to do something fresh. How many believe you didn't come to the house of God to waste your time? You didn't come just to check a box. God wants to do something right now in this place. Heaven wants to fill this place. Perhaps this service could be a service that God does something in your life that actually is the game changer of your life. I don't say that from hype. I say that from hope. We serve the God of the impossible. Are you with me? And so when we come to the Father's house, we've got to come expectant. We've got to come believing that God wants to do something. And I see, I already feel the Holy Spirit is going to do something a bit unique in this service. And uh, some people are going to get their joy back. Some people are going to get their vision back. Some people are going to get their faith back today. Today, for some of you, is going to be an instrumental moment. I declare over this place, the blessing of God is here. The touch of God is here. The strength of heaven is here. Someone, someone is going to get something fresh from heaven in this place. Man, I see it. I feel it already. It's in my bones. Have you ever had a fire in your bones? Woo! So I am the kind of preacher, you can shout me down, you can say preach it white boy, you can say preach it Aussie boy, you can say nice Jacket, Michael Jackson, I don't know. I was feeling all good about my jacket, bought my jacket, and then I was just with my team. And then one of the guys said to me, who are you trying to be, Michael Jackson? I was like, I thought I liked the jacket. Anyone like the jacket? I don't know. 
Even if you don't, just be quiet. Just be quiet. <laughs> Some of you are like, nah, it's all good. Uh, but stay standing just for one more moment. Um, can I tell you a funny story first? Before you sit down, are you too tired? You know the first 300 years of church, they never had chairs? I feel like taking chairs away just make you stand up for years. And then some people are going to look at me like, ah, oh, you're too intense. When I first came to America, <clears throat> I was doing laundry. I was in college. First time I'd ever done laundry. Um, lovely little Asian girl walks up to me. She's like, where are you from? I'm like, from Australia. She's like, do you have a koala? I was like, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> In the back of my head, I'm like, I might as well play this game. She's like, yes, I, I said, yes, I do. I was like, what's, what's his name? I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> I said, his name's Quickie. She's like, what does he eat? I was like, shoot. Uh, he eats eucalyptus leaves with peanut butter on top. She's like, that's, that's amazing. And she believed me, and it was hilarious. But then I'd go back to the cafeteria in college, and she would introduce me. This guy's Anthony from Australia, and he's got a koala called Quickie, and who eats eucalyptus leaves with peanut butter on top, and I just have to avoid that girl. So just so you know, if you ask an Australian, do you have a koala, that's like asking you, do you have a bald eagle? Like, that's not normal. Just want to let you know in case you're confused. If you've been watching too much Discovery Channel, stop it. All right, let's get in the Word. You ready for the Word? First Kings, sorry, First Samuel 11 says this. About a month later, King Nahash of Ammon led his army against the Israelite town of Jabesh-Gilead, but all the citizens, someone say all the citizens, all the citizens of Jabesh asked for peace. Make a treaty with us, and we will be your servants. These are the people of God asking to be the servants of an invading king. They have lost their fight. They've lost their war. And the Bible says this, make a treaty with us, and we will be your servants. They pleaded, all right, and Nahash said, but. Someone say, but. How many know buts get in the way? <laughs> But, but only on one condition. I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to all Israel. Give us seven days to send messages throughout Israel, replied the elders of Jabesh. If no one comes to save us, we will agree to your terms. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the people about their plight, everyone broke into tears. Someone say everyone. Saul had been plowing a field with his oxen, and when he returned to town, he asked, what's the matter? Why? Why is everyone crying? So they told him about the message from Jabesh, and the Spirit of God came powerfully. Let's read that all together. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. And he became very angry. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Eddie and Roxanne and the whole leadership team and everyone who serves, everyone who gives, everyone who prays, everyone who makes it happen. I thank you for them. I thank you for first-time guests. I thank you for those watching online. They are your sons and they are your daughters, so love them through me today. Lord, wash their feet. Lord, restore some things that perhaps are broken. Heal, I pray. Impart vision, I pray. Let the touch of God come over this place in a unique way, in a special way. Lord, let none of us leave the same, God. Let, the, let those who've been coming and attending for years get something so fresh. But the first time, yes, let them get something from heaven today. Speak to them, I pray today. God, love on your people today. I pray. Come on, declare this with me. Say, I can become. Come on, say, I can become. All God desires. I declare today. Come on, I declare today. I am a champion. I am a warrior, I am a king's kid. God has something for me. God has a plan for my life. God has a blessing for me. 
Help me hear it, Father. In Jesus' name. Come on, all God's people could put your hand together for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Just one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now go ahead, grab your seat and turn to your neighbor next to you and tell them they're good looking and people like them. Can you turn to the other person who you ignored and say, have you ever been a model? Just say that. Have you ever been a model? Have you ever been a model? And then you just got to answer back, yeah, when I was a baby, I was a model. Yeah, I was a baby model. <laughs> Have you ever heard someone say it's never been so bad? I felt like I heard that a fair bit in 2020, 2021. It's never been so bad. We just read a text of Scripture and the king was going to take out their right eye. How many agree that would be worse? <laughs> that would be worse. You're going to be a slave and we're going to take out your right eye. And sometimes because we don't know history and because perhaps we don't read our Bible enough, we think we're going through the hardest time that's ever existed in the world. But I want to just remind someone today, no, you're blessed. Someone say, I'm blessed. Say, I may not be perfect, but I am blessed. I want to point our attention for a moment to the fact that King Nahash comes along and wants to invade. He wants to take territory. He wants to basically take a town called Jabesh Gilead. And if you've ever read Scripture much, you find that actually when you read a chapter of Scripture, you get something out of it. But when you read it a second time, you get something out of it. And third time, and fourth time, and fifth time. I am amazed sometimes that if I will read the Scripture over and over again, it doesn't matter how many times I've read it before, I actually get more out of it. I want you to see today that they made an agreement or were going to make an agreement with someone called King Nahash, but if you just do a tiny bit of digging, you used to have to get out these big books called, uh, called thesauruses and Bible answers, and now I just Google it. I'm like, what does Nahash mean? Nahash means serpent. Nahash, King Nahash is after Jabesh Gilead, and Jabesh interesting enough, actually means born in pain. Gilead means testimony. So I just want us to put this together for a moment. Jabesh, Jabesh means born in pain. Gilead means testimony. The city's testimony was that they were born in pain. Watch this now. When you keep rehearsing your pains... When you keep on saying what you've gone through, when you keep on repeating it and repeating it and repeating it, you talk about, and I am not denying anyone's painful experience, I'm not saying you have not been through some things, but what I wanna say to you today is if you keep rehearsing your pain, you'll make an agreement with your pain, and eventually your pain will literally prophesy your future. But how many of you want a new future? How many of you want a better future? Then be careful. My first point today is this. Be aware of wrong agreements. Be aware of wrong agreements. Did you know that agreements can set you free or agreements can steal your strength? If you make a wrong agreement with a businessman and he is a charlatan and a snake, how many of you know that you will lose your strength and lose your money? I'm trying. If you make an agreement, if you make an agreement with a woman or a man who is a person who lacks character, how many of you know they can steal the relationship and steal your heart? If you make an agreement, here, here's the funny thing about agreements. Agreements are often more subtle than you think. They're subtle, subtle things like, I can never change. But it's not you, you say that, you just think that. But the problem is if you think that over and over again and you rehearse that statement in your mind, it's like going to a chicken place and, and, and getting herbs and spices and beautiful things. You're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing chicken. But have you ever had off chicken? <laughs> the devil is a liar, right? I mean, you're just like, what in the world just happened? I had, I got a dog, he's not saved yet. You should pray for him. 
I'm serious, he bites people, and we had to give him anxiety medicine. Only in America do you give a dog anxiety medicine, but I'm telling you, he's a happier dog, and I praise God for that anxiety medicine. It was either that or you're done. He's a beautiful dog, but recently my wife's been cooking for him and cooking chicken and rice and beans for him. We don't do dog food. My wife enjoys cooking for our dog. I hope she likes cooking for me as much as she likes cooking for my dog. But anyway... She was going for the dog, and then we were like, man, we're walking around the house, and something smells weird. My wife's like, babe, something smells weird, and, and my, my wife and I have this relationship. Uh, I don't like this relationship because anytime food is almost off in the house, I have to smell it. She walks up to me like, can you smell it? I'm like, you have a nose. Don't make me smell the bad food. Can't you smell the bad food? She's like, no, that's why I married you. <laughs> so I smelled the chicken and I'm like, I'm about to vomit in my mouth. Swallow it. You ever done that before? That's disgusting. Stop doing that, okay? And I smell it. And here's the interesting thing some people want to bless life without a blessed thinking. Because chicken is surrounded by an environment, and if the right environment, if you salt it right and pepper it right and adobo it right, however you do your chicken, how many of you know that if you'll do that over time, throw a little teriyaki on it, do something special with that chicken, all of a sudden we're going to party, don't we? we got some chicken lovers in this house. <laughs> we got some chicken lovers. I see it. I feel it. <laughs> Yeah, getting excited for chicken. <laughs> but how many know that if I just put the wrong spices, the wrong stuff, and just marinate that thing over and over again, it'll taste completely different? Jabesh, Jabesh, born in pain, Gilead, that is my testimony. Born in pain, born in pain. That is my testimony. And Jabesh Gilead, born in pain, that is my story, that is my song, all of a sudden makes an agreement with King Nahash. And Nahash wants something special. Their right eye. Why do you want the right eye? Isn't that weird? Pluck out your right eye? What the heck's wrong with this guy? When soldiers would battle... They would have a shield on their left, and their right eye was the eye of vision. The right eye was the warrior's eye. What he was saying to the people of Jabesh Gilead is this, I will agree with you, but the moment I agree with you, I take away your vision. I take away your strength. I take away your fight. Oh, let me ask you a question, Christian. In 2021, did you lose your fight? In 2020, did you lose your fight? Did you lose the warrior spirit that God wants to give you? Have you lost your fight? Because you've lost your agreement or you're agreeing with the wrong things. You know, I'll tell this quick story. Sometimes you don't realize you're in fear. Fear isn't this. <laughs> fear is subtle. Fear is like, what does that person think? And you give in to it. Fear is you want to pray for someone, but you don't pray for someone because, oh, but what if they think I'm weird? That's fear. When you're fearing people, when you speak in front of people, how many know you can fear the crowd or you can love the crowd? You can fear God's people and almost get offended. Oh, no, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to offend anyone. And God's like, hey, stop thinking about them. Start thinking about me and, and decide who are you going to please. The guy in the back, the girl in the back, or are you going to please the king who sent you? For two years, we heard this so much, 2020, 2021. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Stay away from people. How do you love people if you stay away from people? Do you know that I looked in my Bible to try and find when God told everyone to be safe? 
I looked. I searched the scriptures where the apostles were like my primary desire for the church. Philippians nowhere, nowhere says be safe. No, he says be strong. It's subtle, but it's important. Be strong. That means I need to be strong against something. That means I need to be strong in my mind. God did not just call us to be safe, and I get it, but he said be strong. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? Your might? His might? Put on the full armor of God, having done all to stand. Stand. Says to Joshua, be strong. Says to Moses, be strong. Says to Gideon, be strong. Be strong, men. The cry of God is be strong. He's looking for people to be strong. I didn't share this in the first service, but let me share this. Seven, eight years ago, I was in a youth conference. I was sitting at the front or sitting three rows back, and, and a preacher was preaching on, on stage. He actually is from L.A., and it was like the Lord shut him up, and then he began to speak to me, and he began to show me where I was in fear. It was subtle things. It really was. It wasn't big things. It was subtle things. He showed me this picture of when I'd go to get dressed in the morning on Sunday morning, I'd think to myself, what would that person think to myself? And that simple action, when you give into a simple thought and give into a simple action, over time, your motivation is that thing. How do you become an alcoholic or addicted to drugs? How do you do it? You just, over time, you give in. You just drink a bit more, just drink a bit, just have a bit more. How do you give in to any addiction? It's little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit. And God began to show me that there was thought processes like I had made agreements in my own mind that actually I'd give in to a spirit of fear and God began to unravel some things. He began to unravel. He was like, these are little things, Anthony. And then we did, we had to do a capital campaign. We had to build a building. Our church was growing. And I prayed about it for 30 days. I was like, man, should I use this company who helps pastors raise money and so forth? And after 30 days, I realized my primary motivation to not do it was because I was afraid if it didn't work. And so then I realized I had to do it because my primary motivation was I was afraid to do it. Sometimes you have to do some things afraid. I have actually noticed in leading people and leading the church, I was afraid to start the church. I prayed about it. I was like, what if no one comes? Three weeks before we started our church, I'm like, wow, we're starting a church. What if no one comes? We were in that location for two and a half years. God spoke to my heart that I was to move from that location to another location. He, he literally showed me I was in the wrong place. I woke up at night. I didn't think it. I, did, I wasn't a smart enough leader. I wish I was. I was like, oh, my leadership capacity. The Lord's like, all right, this guy doesn't work it out. He is that dumb. I'm going to have to speak to him by himself. I was lying down. I promise you I was lying down in my bed asleep, and I said, we're in the wrong place. I looked over my wife. She was sleeping. I was like, you're no good to me. And I looked up at God and I said, what do I do now? Four weeks later, five weeks later, six weeks later, I can't remember the exact timeline. I rode my bike from one town to another town, three towns later. And as soon as I crossed into that town, there's a sign which says Rutherford. And I felt the Spirit of God fall upon my life. And he said, leaving the land of curse, this is where you're meant to build the church. And we couldn't grow, Pastor Eddie. We were 37 people for, for two and a half years. 37 people for two and a half years. 37 people, 37. It was like we'd, we'd count the fleas on people's heads. You got gnats, great. There's 10 of you here. 
We'd count everybody, count them twice. <laughs> Tied the ushers. He was over there and he was there. He was everywhere. But we couldn't grow. We wouldn't grow. 37 people and God spoke to me, you're in the wrong place. Three, three weeks before we leave to go to the next town, um, I tell my wife, I'm like, baby, we're going to move the church. She's like, what if we're wrong? And I remember feeling the fear again. I was like, well, we just go back, I guess, if I'm wrong. You know, I've found so many different times as I've led, I've felt fear. Courage is not not feeling fear. Courage is feeling it and doing it anyway. Listen to me. Courage is doing it anyway when you're afraid. Courage is the moment that God speaks to you, give more than you've ever given before, and for some reason you're afraid and you know it's God. Like, ah. And here's the interesting thing. It's like over the years, faith gets on you and courage gets on you. See, you don't get to, I, I haven't met anyone that just buys a jacket. Courage. No, 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 it's not how it works. It's actually fear to do something important, to challenge something, to build other people. And actually over the years, courage eventually gets on you. And before you know it, you look back and go, I used to be afraid, but not anymore. I'm a man of courage. I'm a man of faith. Are you with me? Restoration Life Church. Come on, are you with me? Number two today. I'm way away from my notes, but let's just get back to the notes. How we doing, Dodgers, man? What's your name, sir? Mario. Good to have you, Mario. Number two, embrace conviction, not pity. I want you to see that the crowd, the town, was all crying. They're all crying. All the crowd is crying. But all the crowd's wrong. Their response was human, but not faith. Do you know that sometimes you can feel sorry for yourself? Sorry for yourself. Sorry for yourself. You can feel pity for yourself. But until you feel conviction to change your future, change your life, change your marriage, change your health, change your money, change the excuses in your life, until you feel conviction, nothing's going to change. Sometimes we're going to throw away the pity party and bring back the conviction party. Listen to what the Bible says in it says, Saul had been plowing a field with his oxen. When he returned to town, he asked, what's the matter? Why is everyone crying? How many know that everyone isn't always right? <laughs> Everyone's not always right, are they? Actually, when the crowd's doing everything, they're most of the time wrong. But everyone's doing it. Who cares? <laughs> Every, you know how dumb sheep are? Do you know how dumb sheep are? Do you know that in New Zealand, there's more sheep than people? This one's free. It's not in my notes. Free. There's three million people. There's like six or nine million sheep. And one day, this one sheep was walking off the cliff. 16,000 sheep. Everyone's doing it. 16,000 sheep. So much so that eventually there was such a padding that some of the sheep stopped dying because they were landing on other sheep and they were padded. If everyone's jumping off, don't you jump off. If everyone's living like the devil, don't you live like the devil. If everyone's not praying, don't you don't do that. If everyone's cheating on their spouses, don't you do that? If everyone's giving God their leftovers, don't you do that? When did God call you to be average? Someone's getting this. But watch Saul. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul 
and he became very peaceful and loving and joyful. Is that what it says? Wait. Show the scripture. Show the scripture. First Samuel. Hold on. I'm going to help you out. I believe in you. All right. Don't worry. But you have to believe me. It's there. Go check your Bible later. Okay? What happened? The Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. And he became very angry. Everyone's crying, but he gets convicted. Everyone's like, it's bad, but he actually gets angry enough to do something about it. You sometimes have to get angry enough on the inside to change some things. You got to get fired up enough. You got to leave church sometimes bothered. You ever leave church bothered? I hope so. Why? Because sometimes the Spirit of God is bothering you about something. Let me tell you a story of my dad. I got 10 minutes left. My dad, my dad was a good man. <clears throat> Taught me to ride bikes, play tennis. He was actually a man of faith for a while. He actually preached on some stages sometimes when he was young, 28, 29, 30, something like that. Had a very dysfunctional relationship with his father. His father basically never talked to him even though they were in the same house for 20 years. So he just carried this wound, Jabesh Gilead born in pain. That's my testimony. He carried it, and he carried it. He didn't release. He didn't forgive. He didn't let go. He let pride and unforgiveness and bitterness hold back his life. When I was about 10 years old, he became a functional alcoholic, and then over years, I started to see it just get worse. So much so that when I was 27, um, 26 get married, 27 him and my mom break up because she was just done with the nonsense. And then he went on a pretty down road there. It was kind of my mom that was holding things together. And um, he became homeless and a strong man, a big man, a man with the call of God in his life, but never dealt, dealt with his Jabesh Gilead. The last eight years of my father's life, there was three years where we had heard nothing from him. We'd reach out on Facebook, we'd send him some messages. Hey, it's your, it's your son, it's your daughter. Are you alive? Began to search for my dad, and I'm in America, so I couldn't do much about it, but I began to call some um, men's shelters, and I began to call some police officers and different things, and just began to piece together um, some of the story, and he had a bump in here with the police, and a bump in here, and I called a, I called a place, and I was like, hey, have you ever heard of Victor Fleming? And they're like, oh, yeah, we have, four months ago. He stopped by here and so forth. And so that was my place in Sydney, in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, like L.A., San Diego, on the beach, all that kind of stuff. Here he is. And I, I, had, I had been, my family had moved and we were in a different city. And I'd come back to Sydney and I had one day to look for him. And I had a team of people around me praying that I would find him and see him. And we had not seen each other. We had not heard of him in five years. And I go to this men's shelter. I say, hey, have you seen Victor Fleming? And he's like, no, I haven't. And, and then they look at me and go, oh, you know what? I might know where he is. They take me like a block from there. And there was my dad sitting there on a park bench. And he'd been sitting there for five years. We had this weird 
conversation. Hey, Dad, how you doing? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And that guy went to church for years. Went to church for years, but didn't, didn't deal with his stuff. Didn't deal with his Jabesh Gilead. Born in vain. That's my testimony. And suddenly he made an agreement, obviously, over the years that he could never break addiction. That he could never change. That he could never forgive his past or forgive what happened to him. And when you make an agreement with your past that that defines you, you lose your vision. And hear me now, every man in here, every woman here, but especially men, because men are far more likely to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. They're far more likely to go to prison. They're far more likely. Why? Because the devil is after your strength. And if you keep on making agreement with him, he will steal everything you have. If you keep on making an agreement, if you keep on excusing yourself, but I just came to say God is a God of restoration life and he can turn around your story and he can change your life. Can I get a good amen in the house of God? Let me share just a couple of thoughts real quick, and I just want to read this passage of Scripture to you. Ezekiel chapter 37 says this, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. Someone say bones. It speaks of dry places, dead places. It's the place where perhaps no one knows about your life, but it's dead on the inside. It's the place where you used to have vision, but you no longer have vision anymore. But watch this now. God takes Ezekiel to a barren place, but he's about to turn around and see some restoration life. He's about to prophesy until some people respond and get their vision back. He's about to prophesy until bones come together, bone to bone, flesh to flesh, and the Spirit of God begins to produce an army. I want to tell some people today, God is not done with you until you are in the army of God, in the fire of God, with a passion for life, family, the house of God, business. God wants to restore. God wants to restore some things today. God wants to restore some things today. Now watch this now, because I don't want you to leave just inspired, because inspiration without application is an abomination. That's a preacher line right there. Inspiration, though, without application eventually leads to frustration and then stagnation. That's a tweet right there. You're going to tweet that one. I'm not on Twitter. Tweet it anyway. I don't care. Inspiration, though, without application, eventually leads to frustration and then stagnation. And eventually, you can't get inspired anymore. No one can motivate you anymore because you've lost your hope. And it's like your eye has been plucked out. The devil is not just after little bits of you. He makes little agreements with you and steals more. But here's the thing, if you'll give Jesus some agreement and then say, Jesus, help me agree with you some more and agree with you some more, eventually he will restore some things. Can I have the keyboards to come back and the worship team to come back? I was, um, spent some time with my dad on this one day Spent about half an hour with him, went, got a coffee with him. And it was a weirdly normal conversation. But the longer we talked, the more I'd realized that alcohol had really taken some things and he was living in some fantasy land and it just wasn't good. The very next day, I'm flying back to America. I'm in the airport, I'm in the duty-free section. It's all pretty and nice and... Javanchi's there, I don't even know how to say that, and the alcohol and the colognes. I'm walking through duty free, but all I can think about is my dad. It's a weird moment when you walk up to a man who is your dad, give him a hug, 
say, love you. Walk away and know that that seat is where he lives. Very next day, I'm in the airport walking around duty free. And the Lord's calling someone. And the Spirit of God speaks to my heart. And he says, redeem his story. And I was like, I don't like his story. I'd I'd prayed for 20 years. I'd prayed for 20 years. For like a, a Nebuchadnezzar moment. Nebuchadnezzar went crazy. And I'd prayed that he'd had a turnaround. So I said to the Lord, I said, I don't like his story. But he said, don't waste his story. And I'm like, what do you mean don't waste it? See, you can take the pain and you can make it your purpose. Or you can take the pain and you can rehearse it. It's up to you. But I just want to tell you today, there's some people who desire to get their vision back. Listen, vision is practical. Let me give you just a couple of practical things. Just, I know we're running out of time. What time, what time we got? Eddie? Thank you, sir. <clears throat> One of the most important scriptures for your life to flourish is Luke 2.52. Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. Let me break it down for a second. For over 15 years, I've been a pastor of a church. And for 15 years, every prayer request has fallen in that category. And finally, I got fed up. Like, what do you mean every prayer request has fallen in this category? This is ridiculous, Jesus which told me it wasn't a prayer problem, it was a principle problem. Watch this now. The favor of God, that's the relational side of your world with Jesus. The favor of man, that's your relationships with your family, your friends, everyone else. Wisdom. There's no other area of life that we apply wisdom more than in our daily lives, whether it be study and work and finances. And then stature. Stature speaks of who you are, how big you are, how small you are, but actually speaks of your health. And here's what's interesting. Then this scripture, have you ever read the scripture and all of a sudden the scripture popped out to you? One day, I'm reading Proverbs chapter 3. I've read Proverbs chapter 3 because it speaks of seeking wisdom and and looking after wisdom and, and, and the blessing wisdom has. And I've read it a lot because I want wisdom, want to be blessed. How about you? Read in Proverbs 3, 15 and 16, and it says this, Long life is in her right hand, health. And it says this, in her left hand are riches and honor. Riches, your relationship with money, honor only comes from two places, God or people. In the hand of wisdom, hear me now, the hand of wisdom speaks of your health. How do you manage it? Speaks of your money and your relationship, your study and your how you handle your career and finance. And then it speaks of your spiritual life and your relational life to people. Now watch this now. If you want to change your life, how many think your life can get better? How many think God has more for you? Sometimes when I talk about vision with people, they think I'm talking about 10 years. No, I'm talking about tomorrow. How do you change your life? Change your morning. Because you have a morning every day of your life. Am I the only one that has a morning every day of my life? (laughs) Am I talking to the human race here? So if you want to change your morning, if you tweak your morning, you eventually change your day. If you change your day, the UCLA coach John Wooden said, make every day a masterpiece. 
And I've been around personal development people and I was talking to someone after the first service. He's like, man, I love Tony Robbins, but you were actually kind of talking some of the principles of what Tony Robbins talking about. I'm like, yeah, he stole it from the Bible. All these personal development guys, they stole it from Genesis 1. God saw the day. God did the day. God reflected on the day. And then he just did it six more times. And then he did it at the end of the week. So if you want to change your life, get a little more clarity in the relational part of your life, the spiritual part of your life, the financial part of your life, and the physical side of your life. Just get clearer. Just get clearer. Get clearer. We're suffering from a lack of vision, not one day. We're suffering from a lack of vision every day. Are you, are you hearing me? Are you getting this? Because I promise you this can change your life, actually. That isn't hype. Again, that's practical. Tomorrow you can change your life if you just... How many want, would like a life that you, you invested in a stock and that stock went up like 5% every month? How many go, yeah, please. If I told you what that stock was, hopefully all of you would go do it. I don't know what it is, so if you know what it is, come tell me after. But what am I saying? Don't underestimate the power of small changes in your life, small changes in your morning, small changes in your day, small changes in your physical body, small changes in your marriage. It's small things. It isn't the massive things. It's not the honeymoon one day. It's the little things. It's changing your life every day. It's getting vision every day. It's changing your money thinking every day. It's changing your health every day. It's got to get practical. Your vision has to be practical or it's a fantasy. Are you hearing me? It's good water. Yeah, that's good. I don't want to miss heaven here. Preaching sets things up so that the Holy Spirit can come. Ezekiel 37 says bone to bone came together. That's your morning, that's your day, that's your week, that's the practical stuff of your life. Bone to bone structures. Imagine my body for a moment if I had no structure, I can't stand. Fix your structures. But he doesn't stop there. Ezekiel 37 says this, and I prophesied as I was commanded the Bible says, and breath entered them. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. Breath entered them. Watch this now. When they came on, on their life or they came to their feet and they stood up, a vast army, it says. God is not done with you until you're part of His army. God's not done with you until He doesn't just want to fill that young man right there. He wants to fill everyone right here. He doesn't just want that young man and that man to get vision about their life and clarity. He wants every person. Because I promise you, if some of this stuff would have been in my father's church, if some real men would have had some tough conversations, if some real men had stopped disengaging, if some real men had stopped saying, hey, how you doing? Can I pray for you? Can I connect to you? What's going on in your world? Maybe it would have been different. So let me just say, man, listen, you get vision about your life and eventually you'll get passionate about helping other people. And most of the time, why men don't have passion about helping other people is their own lives are broken first. So we've got to start doing it a little bit different. We've got to start doing it different. Why don't you stand to your feet? Some of you, your pain has been your song. Your pain has been your song. And I want to say Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted today. But I also want to say this. Some of you have lost your vision. It's like it's been plucked out because you just got complacent and complacency feels good at first because it's comfortable. But eventually, if you get too comfortable, you lose your conviction. And when you lose your conviction, you will become captive eventually to the serpent. 
First Peter 5, 8 says, be self-controlled and alert. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That means he's looking for you. He's looking for the man with no self-control, the woman with no self-control. He's looking for the one disconnected and he's looking for them. But I feel like I see some eyes plucked out, but God wants to give some people some new sight today. Some of it very practically order your world. Some of it spiritual. It's become a heavy thing and you don't seem to break that thing anymore. You can't break that addiction. Maybe you're addicted to something today. If you humble yourself, God can meet you. God can meet you and restore you. God can, can, can take broken things and make beautiful things, but He cannot do it to the prideful. He only does it to the humble. He actually does it to those who humble themselves. If you're a young man in here, please live with vision. Don't break other hearts. Don't smash other lives while you're living recklessly. God wants to give you a vision not just for your own life, but for the kingdom of God. God wants to give you vision for not just your own life, but for the kingdom of God. So all across this place, if you know you need a restoration of vision, Come on, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to resist fear. And I want you to make your way down the front today. The Holy Spirit's going to meet some people. There's going to be some game-changing moments today. This is not church as normal. This is not just going through the motions. It's not checking a box. But today, I really believe that God wants to do something significant in some men and some ladies. God wants to put His warrior spirit coming all across this place. If you feel the nudge to come, come now. If you're up in the, even in the, the, the next level, come now. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. God always asked for a response. God always asked for a response. When the man's hand was shriveled in Mark chapter 3, he says, stretch out your hand. He asked him to do that thing that he could not do. He asked him to stretch out. And so I believe today that God Listen, if, if you just feel like you've lost passion, it's like this, there's, that warrior spirit is lost on you. God wants to restore some vision today. God wants to restore some vision today. If the fire has gone out, listen to me, if the fire has gone out, there's a humble process, there's a stepping out process that must happen. Jesus, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I thank you. Before the prayer team prays for people, before I pray for people, listen, if you're in your seat today, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to beat you. I don't know why God asks us for response. I was preaching at a church in Pennsylvania, and I was on the front row, and I was preaching, and the worship guy said, man, I feel like there's some people here today that they need to come forward, and they need a fresh fire, and as he was saying it, I felt like the Lord was talking to me, like, you got up the front. I'm like, Lord, I can't go up the front. I'm the guest speaker. That's not how it works. But I promise you, in worship, I walked forward. And the, because the truth is, if the Apostle Paul said, pray for me, why are we so special that we think that we don't need prayer? It's a pride. It's a lie. So listen, if you feel the tug of God to come forward, I invite you to come forward and come forward now. Don't wait. Don't, don't allow fear to stop you. Come on, there's a, there's a few people the Lord wants to bring forward today. He wants to restore some vision today. He wants to restore some vision today. Come on, just worship just for a moment longer. Come on, worship for a moment longer. Come on, worship for a moment longer. Worship with the worship team. There's a few people that need to come today. Oh, there's some vision that's been lost. There's some strength that's been lost. 2020 beat you up. 2021 beat you up. Some of you online and you're still sitting in that 2020, 2021 mindset. God wants to set some people free today. If you're online, He wants to say, no, just be safe. Be strong. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Don't make agreements with the enemy of your soul. Thank you, Lord. 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 
Let me talk to you if you came forward real quick. Just give me your attention for one moment if you came forward. Look to, just look this way. One of the greatest things I think you could do is go home today, this week sometime, and honestly write in a journal somewhere, write in a book somewhere, where are you making agreements? What are the things that you've said or say or think all the time that actually seem to align with the purpose of the enemy for your life? I'll never change. I can't do it. It's the way I've always been. That always happens to me. That always happens to me. That always happens to me. Someone is here. It doesn't always happen to you. You've got to change your mind. You've got to renew your mind. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed. Conformed means I make an agreement with the enemy. I'll never forgive that one. I won't forgive that one. When I was 18 years old, I had to walk up to my father. I heard a preacher preach one time. And, and after he preached, I, I went up to it. He, I felt the Spirit of God speak to me and say, God, tell your dad you forgive him. And I'm like, well, Lord, he didn't ask. And I had to go up to my dad. It was kind of an awkward conversation. I was just like, hey, dad, I just want to let you know I forgive you. And he kind of hugged me and it was cool. But it was funny, it changed actually how I then looked at my childhood because I released it. See, if you don't release the bitterness, you become it. If you don't release the bitterness, you become it. Jesus said if you retain it, if you retain it, it'll be retained. But if you forgive it, it'll be forgive. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Maybe some people have wounded you, hurt you. Let them go. Don't drink that poison. It's not worth it. You'll repeat the same cycle. If you don't repeat, if you don't forgive a dad who was drunk and, 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 and addicted and, and cheats on your mom and beat at your mom, if you don't forgive him, you'll become him. You'll repeat the same cycle. You'll, you'll be, how come we do the same things our dad did? How come we do the same things our mother did? How come there's so much dysfunction in our families? How come? You're, why? Because we don't forgive. We'll let it go. And if we'll let it go, we can become an actual new vision. See, if I don't let, if I don't let someone go, if you don't let a race go, you'll become what you hate. Sometimes women have been so wounded by men and they're like, I hate men, I hate men, I hate men. But you'll become the wounder of men because you, you won't let it go. Sometimes I'm, I remember a buddy of mine said to me, his first girlfriend cheated on him. And after that, he was just, he was just like, man, I'll cheat on them first. I'll cheat on them first. And became this player and this person that would just hurt women all the time. Why? Because he got hurt. You've got to forgive. You've got to let it go. I want to do something that I hope you, I know this is going to be good. Put your hand on your belly for a moment. Your stomach, your diaphragm. I learned this from a preacher, and I think it's good. Sometimes before I preach, I say, Lord, stir the gift. Stir the gift. Stir the gift to preach. Stir the gift to lead. Come on. Every single one of you has gifts and has talents. Can you just say, stir the gifts in me? Come on. Say this with me. Stir the gifts. Stir the gifts of God in me. Stir the gifts of God. Don't undervalue your gifts. Stir those gifts in your life. Stir them in your family. Stir them for work. Stir them for the kingdom of God. You have gifts in you. You're gifted. God's given you gifts. You've got to value those gifts. Don't bury them. Don't underplay them. God's made you and given you gifts, and you've got to stir those gifts. I have to take serious the gift of my life. I've got to take serious the gift. I don't have to take myself too seriously, but I have to stir the gifts. But now do this for me. Put your hands on your eyes. Say, Father, give me your vision. Come on, if, you're, if, you, if you haven't even come forward, put, put your hands on your eyes. You can do this with me. Say, Father, open my eyes to see the opportunity, the life that you have given me. Open my eyes where I've made agreements where the enemy is stealing my strength, stealing my vision, 
stealing my capacity. In Jesus' Name, open my eyes to see clearer, to love more, to be more faithful, to be a warrior. Now I want to pray one more thing. Close your eyes. The Bible says that the Lord is a warrior. The warrior is His name in Exodus chapter 15. So many Christians have lost their warrior spirit. But I feel like God in this hour is saying to some people, I will restore courage to you. I will restore strength to you. I will make you to be a warrior in this generation to fight, not just for your destiny, to fight for your family, to fight for those around you, to fight. Let not the fight die in us. Let the fight, let the fight of heaven, not the fight of drama, not the fight of gossip, not the fight of the social media, but the fight of God be in our heart. Father, I pray today for the warriors of this church. I pray today for every man and every woman Lord, that their warrior would rise up within, that a warrior spirit, Lord, the Spirit of God pours powerfully upon Saul. So let it pour out in this place. Let it pour out in this place. Oh God, let us not leave the same way. Let no one leave the same way. Let the touch of God, let it come in this place. Let it stir the mighty warriors. Let it stir the ladies. Let it stir the I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. If you're not already, would you open your palms to heaven? Just a simple sign of surrender. Say this simple prayer, Jesus, empower me. Come on, say it loud. Jesus, empower me for what you have for me. Do something great in me. Do something great in me. So you can do something great through me. I surrender again. Afresh and new. Help me see you. Help me know you. Help me love you. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would release your visions and your dreams over your people, that you would speak to them where they need it, that you would give dreams to people to warn them, to strengthen them, to encourage them, that you would give visions, that you would, the eyes of their heart would just see clearer, the eyes of their heart would just see clearer in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I call each and every single one of them victorious. I call each and every single one of them victorious in the name of Jesus. I thank you for a spirit of victory coming over your people even now. That victorious, that victorious spirit that says, no, 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 we don't, we don't make agreements with our past. We actually make agreements with God that we can become all that He desires. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just with eyes closed for a, a, a minute longer. Let me ask you a simple question. You don't have to have the faith all figured out. You might be new today, checking out church. Someone invited you and you might be wondering what's going on. Why are those people going down the front? And why is that guy getting loud? And You don't need all the questions answered. You need simple faith. I was a five years old and I looked at a picture of Jesus on the cross. And for some reason in my heart, I knew it was significant. And some reason in my heart, I said, Lord, I believe. God gave me faith when I was young. You might be old, you might be young, you might be everywhere in between. It doesn't matter. We come to Jesus in simple faith. We, say, we turn to Him and we trust in Him. So maybe you're here in this place and you have not yet said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're in the back, maybe you're in the front. Can we pray this simple prayer? Say, Jesus, right now, I turn to you in simple faith. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Forgive me. Help me now know you. 
and walk with you. In Jesus' name. Eyes closed all across this place. If you met business with God in this place, you did that for the first time or you know you've been away from God all across this place, I just don't embarrass you. I simply want to see your hand responding to the Father. Raise your hand, raise it up high all across this place. Raise your hand. You're saying yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's awesome today. Thank you, sir. That's awesome today. Anyone else today? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's awesome, man. Proud of you. Proud of you, sir. Proud of you, man. Proud of you, too. That's awesome today. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Raise it up high, high. High enough, long enough for me to see it. Thank you, sir. That's awesome. Thank you, sweetheart. That's awesome today. God bless you. Man, that's awesome. Man, that's awesome. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Lord. There's a person here today, and you were fighting that. You wanted to put your hand up, but you didn't want to put your hand up. You're like, I'm fighting it. I just feel like the Lord wants to wait. Is there someone else that needs to put up their hand? Quickly, if that's you today, you wanted to say yes to Jesus, but you didn't. You didn't put your hand up. Is there someone here today? I'm not trying to embarrass you, but right now, respond in that moment. Say, yes, that was me today. Thank you, Lord. Anyone here? Anyone here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your people. Bless your people. Bless Pastor Eddie and his wife and every leader in this church. Bless them, God, I pray. Strengthen this house that they truly would carry restoration life wherever they go. Bless marriages and homes, I pray. Bless the kids in kids' ministry today. Father, bless them, I pray. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand in the house of God. Come on.